Vincent the Dude. Hey, good Monday afternoon from Freight Alley. Some crazy football this weekend, my brother. It was good. It's back. It, it was nice. Good to be I back. loved it. Everything, you know, like they turn the content faucet on in September. All the good games come out. TV yeah. starts coming back. The games start coming back. Like Splatoon 3 comes out. Cobra yeah. Kai season, is it four or is it season five now? I don't know. That dropped uh, on Netflix. I didn't even have time to get to it. No mercy, sir. Maybe get a little inside. Have you been watching that series? I have not, but it's I got the one. shirt. I mean, I haven't watched this season yet. I haven't watched the new stuff. It's a good one. And you had a college football day. You had Washington State over Wisconsin, right? Right. Unranked over 19. We had Marshall. Right. We are Marshall. We are Marshall. Former home to Chad Pennington. <laughs> right? Number <laughs> eight, Notre Dame. Yeah, right. Them. App State beat Texas A&M. Appy State, man. Look Texas at that. Tech. Texas Tech, 25 Houston. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Alabama almost lost. We were texting during that, and I called them the biggest wimps for, for going for that kick instead of going for it when they had it right into the half. There was like two seconds left. Just punch it in. You said they should have taken the points. They lost by a point, though. Yeah, they didn't take – well, they didn't get the points. They, I think they did the right thing going for the point. At you know, that I point, watched, you go here, for the points. So here's why I say you don't. I've watched so many Patriots games when they were, when they were like <laughs> the Kings, right? And not like, We're not talking about this weekend against Miami, but yeah. I've watched so many Patriots games, and teams just don't kill them when you have them. This is the number one team. Yeah. Go, go, go and win. Go and take it. Well, going with yeah, but you're that close. I, I I go for the it's it's end of the second half. You're going you're you're hanging tough with them. It's looking really good. You get the points. You don't lose that momentum. These are college kids, man. Okay. These guys are nice. Winner mentality, loser mentality. Ah, <laughs> I'm just on, kidding. Man. And we got a great, <laughs> we got a great show today. On the show, we we're going to be talking about chips at the port of Baltimore, right? What does that mean for the port and for autos and that whole thing? We have an amazing guest to speak to. It it is Bill Doyle over at the port. Uh, we're going to go deep with college hype. Ship it back up to Boston to talk about apparel manufacturing. We'll tell you about the railroads. What's going on with that? We got headlines and weird news. So let's stop wasting time. Ooh. And I uh, will tip the band. All right. Did you know that AIT Worldwide Logistics is one of the fastest growing freight forwarders out there? They grew by 400% over the past five years, earning a spot on Crane's Chicago business Fast 50 list. But how do they do it? By earning their customers' trust with cost-effective, customized global supply chain solutions. Find out how your business can benefit when you visit. Tell them, dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com. All right. Let's see if we have any good news to start this week off. Headlines. Everybody's nervous waiting for Friday. Will the railroads go on strike? You need something like 400,000 trucks to make up for it if they do. That's a lot of trucks. Could cost the country billions of dollars. Really going to have a deep impact on freight. But there is some good news to start the week. According to Noy Mahoney, three more railroad unions have reached tentative agreements with U.S. freight railroads on a new labor contract. Cool. Not bad. Not all of them, but we're getting there. Cool. The Brotherhood of Agreements announced Sunday. It includes the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division, of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, that's a mouthful, mm -hmm. the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, the International Association of Sheet Metal, Air, Air Rail, and Transportation Workers Mechanical Department. So some agreements there. Yeah, exactly. The NCCC, the group representing Class 1 railroads in the contract negotiation, says that these tentative agreements, along with the three from previous as well, include a 24% wage increase during the five-year period from 2020 through 2024, with 14.1% wage increase effective Immediately, and five annual $1,000 lump sum payments. Portions of the wages increases in lump sum payments are retroactive as well. 
Not bad, not no, bad. So maybe we're getting some place with I this. I think we are. Those three unions, they represent more than 86,000 freight rail employees. So this is not insignificant. Mm-mm. Eight unions have accepted tentative deals so far They will be taking uh, that they'll be taking to their members for ratification. Hopefully that all goes through. Although there are over 140,000 employees. So over half have been signed. We still need to get some more in there. New labor deal has been in the works since before the pandemic, January 2020. But... Negotiations had failed to progress. I think with the deadline looming Friday, they're not allowed to strike until Friday. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of activity this week. Hopefully more of those agreements come through and we don't get to the worst, which is starting next week telling you the railroads are on strike on this show. I don't yeah, want to do that. That would not be good, man. That'd be, that would be very, very rough. But when it Bill comes good. on. Over half, like you said, over half and I think eight of the 13 unions. I bet Bill has some insight, too, on oh, that. Yeah. When we come out, we'll ask what kind does. of impact Port of Baltimore would have on Port of Baltimore. Sure. Um, Here's five things to know is Trevor Milton's criminal fraud trial begins. This thing has been delayed over and over again. They've tried to get it to move. It hasn't happened. And Adler says this is what you got to be mindful for. One is the prosecution may be seeking to make an example out of Trevor Milton. 40-year-old executive, he faces those two counts, securities fraud and two counts of wire fraud. The maximum penalties for convicted. He could face up to 40 to 50 years if he gets both those things. Um, he's pleaded not guilty, though, and he's free right now on $100 million bail. Must be nice. <laughs> I don't think um, I can afford the bail. <laughs> his use of social media, number two, his use of social media is going to come up in this. And uh, I don't know. This might have some executives a little skittish about jumping on Twitter and talking uh, so much trash. If you yeah. remember, Milton, he likened himself as someone who could out Elon, Elon, and he tried to take Elon's approach to social media. Well, all those things he said, amplifying the Nikola message, can and will be used against him in a court of law. Yeah, he isn't Elon. That's that's the problem. The trial is also staying put. So Milton twice tried to get a trial moved to Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, where Nicola is based, obviously, and then also Utah, where he uh, got that ranch, I think, <laughs> and he founded founded the we company. Traded stock. For he the traded ranch. stock for the ranch, exactly. But Rans, uh, uh, Ramos sided with prosecutors who said that Nicola's stock is traded on the Nasdaq in Manhattan, and it is the appropriate venue. Also, Nicola allowed to uh, is allowed to protect itself from its founder. Milton wanted to use internal conversations and emails that he was not part of to bolster his case. However, Nicola, which has tried to distance itself from uh, Milton since he left the company. Company in September 2020 filed to enter the trial as a third party. They also argued that and challenged the conversations that the corporate counsel Britton Worthen had with others, not Milton, should not be allowed. And they protected uh, that and they allowed that. Ramos uh, went with that as well. He protected him. Well, and uh, Milton's defense itself, that's going to be a mystery as well. Um, People aren't clear. Milton has been blaming his lawyers for not keeping him out of trouble. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's going to work in a court. This judge is, uh, I don't know, it's a bit, a bit of a bee buster, I hear. So, Good luck to you out there, Milton. Mm, yeah, I don't think it looks good for him. So. Yeah, right. You're looking for Air Jordans. You've always seen the lines when people line up, right? It's madness when Air Jordans yeah. get released. Well, yeah. thieves are not waiting for street uh, drops anymore. They're not waiting for these street dates. Look at this video right here. This yard was uh, was uh, shuffled oh. through Roosters on backthetruckup.com. My ears boxes everywhere. Yeah, what we're looking at here is this yard where all these different trailers went through. People went through the boxes. Rooster said those hoping for a new pair of the latest Air Jordans might find their stores a bit empty as looters broke into 20 containers on September 6th, estimating an $800,000 in losses. 
Um, you're gonna see plenty of ads on Craigslist for those new Jordans. It's 20 trailer for 20 trailers of them were opened. I don't know, maybe an inside job knowing that those invoices were there. Well, they obviously knew this. The shocking admission is that Nike's Memphis Distribution Center had no cameras in this back lot. Cameras were only rolling on the face of that building uh, and not where the millions of dollars of street fashion were kept. Wrong direction. <laughs> Wrong place to put those cameras. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're looking for those Air Jordan 11 retro cherries or the Air Jordan 4 retro canyon purples, those are what you're going to be finding on the market. This is still under investigation. They say they don't know who did it. Um, this was over in Memphis. Been an awful time over in Memphis lately. So wow. Sad to see. But anyways. It looks like a random home? looting. It doesn't look like they knew what they were doing to me. <laughs> yeah. I, some people have said, oh, it looks exactly like what they're doing. I, uh, but it looks like they actually went through all the trailers that they could get into. And, and like maybe they took the Jordans because that's what they immediately recognized as something of value versus yeah. knowing exactly which trailer they were. Yeah. In. But if you knew they were there in their boxes, it might just be taking the boxes. Much more efficient to just carry the boxes than to try and wear the Jordans out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, it is Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Thank you, all drivers out there. The FMCSA, they did a 2022 road safety art contest. They've announced some winners. This was to remind children and young drivers that you need to give extra space to trucks, as well as to tie into Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Let's go to the winners real quick, then we'll go over to Bill. Our grand prize and People's Choice winner for Category 1 is Harsh Gupta from New Jersey. Nice. Not bad. For That's category two, two, the grand prize and people's choice winner is Aditya Yogesh from Michigan. Solid. For category Solid. three, the grand prize winner is Sanjana Arudala from Texas. Now, great work by these kids. These first three share a very sort of uh, similar theme. And, and the color people's pattern. choice winner is I Noah like Cho yeah. from Illinois. Yes. Look at this. This is a heck of a job. That, yeah, that, that, that is a and little bit of a step above four, the other ones. The grand prize and People's Choice winner is Victoria Lynn from California. Very nice. That's yeah. 9 through 12 grade right there. Yeah. Hey, congratulations to all the kids right out on, there man. who submitted those. Nice and hey, job. thank you, FMCSA, for recognizing the kids. But, you know, now it is time to go back over to the Port of Baltimore with our buddy Bill Doyle. He's the executive director at the Maryland Ports Administration. And this morning, he probably... He's up licking his wounds like a, a lot of us after that Miami game, right, Billy? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. It, it was, I mean, it, I don't know what it says about the Patriots because Miami can always be a house of horrors on the road for for this team, but uh, I don't know. It didn't give me a lot to get excited about, that's for sure. <laughs> it, was it was tough to watch, but you know what? Miami's given my a hard time the past couple of years, so, um, you know, shake it off and move on to the next. You got the 25th circuit on the calendar. That's when the Ravens versus Pats coming up. There you bet. Very cool. Very <laughs> cool. Hey, hey, if you don't think a long snapper is important, go back and watch that Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Holy Absolutely one of those. That was ridiculous. Hey, before we talk into some chips, too, I just wanted to give a congratulations to Mass Maritime Academy. I know you're a big supporter over there as an alumnus, and they were declared the best bang for the buck Northeast College. So... A little cowbell for uh, Mass Maritime. You, uh, you think all the listeners here who are thinking about getting into a global trade career should consider the school, Bill? Absolutely. Um, you know, I went there. I graduated as an engineer, so I started out on ships. But the programs at Mass Maritime have gone so far beyond. I mean, their international maritime business major is uh, second to none. And you know what? I'm real proud. I'm real proud of Admiral Fran McDonald. He's the president of uh, Mass Maritime Academy. Uh, for what they've done. And, you know, when you look at it, it's number one out of 50 colleges 
in the Northeast. So that's, that, that's good. I mean, it's a really good school uh, to go to. And you know what? Um, for those kids that um, need a little discipline, um, it works well there, too, because um, you get right into the uh, cadet decorum uh, at that school and really turn you into an adult. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. It was a ship, ship up or ship yeah. up or ship up. Is that up. right? Ship, ship shape. Get ship in the ship. Yeah. yeah. Swab well, the deck, matey. Hey, speaking of ships, so big act, right? The Chips yeah. Act, it, it, it goes through big news, semiconductors. Anyone who's tried to bought a car, they know these. Vincent, you were just at a dealership. I haven't gone to a dealership yeah. for a year because I've been trying to get there a car. There are no cars there or chips. They don't have what I want. <laughs> how important is the port of Baltimore? Before we even get into the chips, how important is the port of Baltimore to the auto industry? Huge. Uh, we are number one. We're the largest importer and exporter of automobiles and Roro uh, in the United States of America. So it is huge. Um, but Tim, real quick, and I just I want to diverge real quick on the on the rail thing. Um, you know, hopefully the management from the rail companies and the unions. Um, I believe there's 12 unions come to an agreement by the end of the week. I know that, um, and you've got a great lineup today. I know that uh, uh, Boston's own, uh, Dorchester's own, um, Marty Walsh, U.S. Secretary of Labor, uh, is working very hard during the mediation process to uh, come to an agreement. And I'm sure that the next guest from uh, College Height probably, Dorchester themselves, but probably have a picture of uh, Marty Walsh at one of the nonprofits and charitable organizations that College Heights support. So we'll stop there and I'll get right into the chips. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what does the Chips Act do for the Port of Baltimore? I know you've been a supporter of the act. Why is it so important? Yep. Well, there's a couple of things you want to look at first. All right. Number one, when it comes to microchips and semiconductor chips, the U.S. was the leading country and producer. Um, in the early 90s, we had 40% of the market. We're now down to 12% of the market. And what you saw happen, how this came to the forefront, was COVID. And during COVID, if you think about it, during COVID, when the world shut down and the ports in the United States shut down and your manufacturers of automobiles shut down, the ships were still coming into the United States. They were loaded with vehicles. Those vehicles could not leave the port and get to a dealership. So we had vehicles all over uh, ports uh, on side streets. Remember, nobody was driving. So you had them on side streets. You had them in the port. You had them everywhere. So what naturally happens at that point? The automobile manufacturers stop manufacturing automobiles. They have contractors with the semiconductor industry. So semiconductors stop uh, making those uh, microchips and semiconductors for the automobiles. But what happened at the same time? At the same time, the home office equipment, the personal devices all spike. They also need semiconductors and microchips. So your conduct, semiconductor manufacturers flipped the script and started making all of these microchips and semiconductors for the stuff that you use at home. The office equipment, the phones, um, printers, all of the things that you need to work remotely. And then when everything switched back again and you could have more automobiles being made, there was not enough manufacturers in the world to keep up with both with both at the same time doing that. Now, you had 
three interesting things that happened. 2020 was COVID. Going into 2021, the number one manufacturer of microchips and microprocessors in the United States is based in Texas. Texas had that severe winter storm in February of 2021, shut down all the electricity. So Samsung, NXP, and Infineon all had to curtail or shut down their operations of microchips for a significant period of time. Further, you had a drought in Taiwan. Taiwan, the, 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 micro pro, the microchip industry needs tons of water because the water that you use is what's known as the ultra-purified water. And they had a drought, so that semiconductor um, um, manufacturing platform in tai, Taiwan also shut down. And then to make matters worse, in 2021, Tokyo. Now, Tokyo in Japan, they produced one third of the world's microchips. They had to shut down during because of a uh, fire in one of their plants, and that was shut down for about six months. So that's just setting the stage on the importance of the microchips, where it is geog uh, geographically, and then now we get into um, the United States and the you know Congress and the Biden administration passing this bipartisan chips bill, which I think is huge uh, for the automobile industry and your know, personal devices and office equipment in general. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, uh, Bill. Is it, it is very, very important to get these things back online, right? And you had this kind of just sequence of, of disasters that hit the, uh, the microchip thing. How does this actually impact the port of Baltimore, though? So what happened in the port of Baltimore is we had, you know, as the number one, uh, you know, automobile importer and exporter, uh, we first had that surge of vehicles that were on the docks. Okay. And then we had to get everybody back up and working. Mm -hmm. And then the dealerships would open and would get them back into the dealership. We are down now um, in the range of somewhere 25% on the automobiles moving through the port of Baltimore, uh, due in large part because there aren't enough microchips for the finished versions of automobiles, okay? So you do have um, automobiles that are being manufactured, but they may not necessarily be finished. As a matter of fact, um, during the week of the CHIPS Act being passed in Congress, I believe there were 70,000 automobiles spread around Detroit that were unfinished, waiting for chips um, to be, you know, chips to finish those vehicles and put them on the market. So we have less volume of cargo and, you know, as Baltimore being the largest uh, importer and exporter, you know, that is that that's what I would say is the bellwether. So we're down 25 percent. A lot of ports are down on that import export side of automobiles. So your business is down. Interesting. Yeah, so sense. and just to wrap my head around the number on here, 25 percent, roughly like how many cars would would that would that be? Well, I mean, if you take, you know, you're looking at somewhere that's 15,000, you know, vehicles, you know, if you take a. Um, uh, um, you know, if you take actually, no, excuse me, it's 30,000 vehicles is what you're looking at um, toward the end of the year. Now, we've made it up on the um, heavy equipment side coming into our row row port, uh, but it is it's a, it's a significant hit. What do you think this will do for the state of Maryland in terms of semiconductor production? I understand that you already have some going on there, but this would have to pour a little fuel on that fire, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to look at it uh, from a standpoint of, um, I think that 
the existing facilities that we have now. Of course, you know, Texas is back up, up and running, right? Um, mm-hmm. You've got, um, you know, uh, Tokyo's back up and running and Taiwan's back up and running. And, you know, the, the private sector will uh, find a way, you know, whether it's internationally or domestically, uh, to make up the backlog. But what you see in the new chips bill, which is, which is you know, significant, is the amount of investment that would go into uh, building new chip factories. So if you just look at the states, okay, the states that are, that, that are in play right now, you've got Arizona building plants, Ohio building plants, and then in the, in the CHIPS Act itself, you also had um, New York. Um, as one of the one of the areas that would build, be building these semiconductors. Now it's going to take a couple of years to get these new manufacturing plants up and running, but retrofitting existing plants and adding production to the existing plants, say in Texas, uh, will be a big help. And that does help the you know domestic vehicle industry also on those semiconductors and the um, uh, microchips. They can be sold to you know say. Uh, manufacturing um, automobile in the EU, European Union. So this is all, you know, coming up. This helps um, the Port of Baltimore. I believe that, you know, it's a, it's a slow roll, but we'll get there. We should be up to, you know, full amounts uh, of vehicles. You know, we're, we're 800,000 to a million. That's what we're, we're used to coming in uh, per year. And, you know, we should we should get back there eventually. But Always remember the consumer's buying habits, okay? Are we now used to waiting a month to purchase an automobile? I mean, look at the showrooms. Is, you know, where are we with the dealerships right now? Mm-hmm. You know, our consumer is going to say, hey, I want to come in and I want to buy a vehicle and I want to buy it now and I want to walk off the lot with a car. Or are you willing to wait a month or more for a vehicle? So, you know, we're still in that uh, formative stage of, of what it's going to look like when it's all said and done, at least on the automobile side. Yeah, it, it is interesting because right now it's like you know, put up five hundred dollars and wait six months. It's almost like your cyber truck, sure. you know. Right no, that now, that would be three There's, years. What's that? That would be four years. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not quite there. But with the in the Chips Act, there's there's uh, provisions in there, and there's a lot of money in there that would also impact like Maryland and states that are already producing these chips, right? And there's a lot of money and, and benefits that come along with the, just that production for infrastructure, et cetera. Correct. Yes, it is. I mean, you're going to see a lot. I mean, if you take a look at the scale of the um, the Chips and Science Act itself, okay, so the bill itself, okay, is, I believe, in the range of $250 billion, okay, $50 billion of which uh, would be directly set toward um, the microchip and semiconductor, you know, manufacturing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the rules haven't been written for that yet. Okay. So, you know, you, you look at it, you know, from a standpoint of, all right, is this going to be, you know, direct grants? Um, but you do have some of your, um, you know, microprocessing um, manufacturers stepping up and saying, okay, I'd like to be a part of this program. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Commerce, the U.S. Department of Commerce will be coming out with rules, um, you know, shortly on how that can happen. But I think anytime you can bring that type of manufacturing that is so important, because look, it's not just the automobiles and everything. It's, you know, it's defense industry semiconductors that we have as well. 
uh, that, that, that are in play here. So um, I, I find it beneficial for uh, Maryland as a state. We welcome it with open arms. And I know that, uh, um, you know, the ports around the United States uh, also welcome it as well. Yeah, I know we we talk about this stuff uh, a lot, Bill, especially this reshoring and all of that. But just playing devil's advocate here, let's say five years from now, these supply chain imbalances, these bullets are all balanced out and ships are back to normal. What does that mean for the American manufacturing side? Or do you think that thing they mentioned with national security that keeps coming up will increase like anti-dumping and stuff like that? So we don't have Taiwan, Taiwan manufacturers just dumping a bunch of chips here. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, what you look at, in a situation like that is we get caught with our pants down. I mean, we really did get caught here in the United States uh, not being able to produce our own microchips. Like, I, let me just give you an example of how, you know, where microchips fit in the larger scheme of things. Um, you know, I was recently, I had a, um, uh, one of your major uh, manufacturers, a CEO, he came into the port of Baltimore. We were talking about chips and, you know, he asked me and my staff, he said, Hey, look, how many chips do you think are in a, you know, medium end um, SUV? Mm. You know, we all looked around, you know, you know, I'm, I'm smarter than to give an answer <laughs> to something I don't know. But some people did guess. Can and I guess? Can I guess? I'll let us guess first. What, what do you think it is, Michael? How many microchips in an SUV? Yeah, an SUV. God, I mean, trying to be realistic and not to blow it up yeah. to be smart, uh, smart ass, um, like maybe 15 or 20, maybe? I would, I'll go with 150. Eight thousand. <laughs> wow. wow, that's significant. Because yeah. they're mean, in everything oh, right everything, now. Think about everything that you touch electronically in a vehicle. You know, a, a, a sedan. You're looking at three thousand. Wow. So you take that right there, that manufacturing component. And that's for purely commercial consumer items. And then you say, okay. Now, not only did we have a shortage for that, but we had it for our defense mechanisms and our, you know, fiber mechanisms. So I think that, you know, in a case like this, when you're talking national security, the United States, you know, should have the capability to produce what we need, both commercially and from a national security standpoint. And I think that this bill uh, will get us on the way. And I think it, you know, you don't want to, you know, make the same mistake twice or buy the same real estate twice, um, you know, prepare for the future. And I, I think this bill will get us there. Yeah. Yeah. You, you talk about national security. Supply chain is absolutely national security. I think some sure. people's eyes may have opened up to understand why Taiwan is so important to the United States at this particular moment in time. Well, here's the thing, too, <laughs> with supply chain. And, and, like, I don't want to give anyone any bad ideas out there, but it's definitely way more, way more vulnerable and hasn't been exploited yes. to the extent that it could be. Absolutely. that's fair to say. Absolutely. And we're vulnerable right now to rail. How, how the, well, the... Hold on, Bill. I got a question. Oh, Speaking of security, because well, remember, we, well, we had Gene Soroka on uh, last year, and he told us that there was like 55,000 attempts at like hacking the port of LA Oh, gosh, yeah, some do, you, do you face number. stuff like that? Yeah, we, we, we're always, you know, we, we have penetration attempts all the time. Um, I don't know that, to what extent the numbers are. Um, you know, you can see that, you know, Port, you know, the Port of LA and Long Beach, I mean, they're, they're targets. I mean, what is it? You know, almost 40% of the imports come in through there, so they would be a target. Um, you know, we have a pretty good system here, but everybody is subject to attack if you are operating a port. Um, and it's not, just, it's not just that public sector side of the port. 
Um, it's everything. It's the, it's the actual ocean carrier. It's the marine terminal operator. These private sector entities have to uh, have had to step up their um, cyber security game as well uh, by way of protections. So, you know, it's, it, when you think about it, um, there are so many entrance points into a port or a port, um, you know, uh, geographic system, um, digital system. That any one of those goes down, you could affect the entire supply chain. Yeah, because a port is a conglomeration of different entities all together, right? Sure. You've got all the different terminal operators, so that security has got to be very difficult because you've got separate operating systems, right? I would say so, yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah, you unbelievable. Have- Bill, hey, we're really excited. We're really excited for the port and everything. What, what? Before we let you go, what is something that would astound us about the port of Baltimore that we had that you don't think we would know, or the listeners wouldn't know? Well, I mean, that's that's a tough question, but I would say that um, that that you know when we look at when we look at the containerization of goods, uh, one thing that we've seen in Baltimore, and and I don't want to divulge names here is that we as a rural port, meaning because we are the largest automobile um, uh, importer and exporter in the United States, that means we get a significant, substantial, huge amount of railroads that come to the port. And because of the freight rates were so high, we saw a lot of equipment that used to go in containers now coming in on railroad ships. And mm-hmm. To make it easy uh, for you to understand the way that we market it in Baltimore is if it has wheels and a stock button, put it on a row row. And that's what we're seeing. You're seeing cargo that may not go back to containerization and will stay on the row row ships. That's something that a lot of ports or a lot of press hasn't talked about, but that's something that's very interesting. I like that one. So let me give you a follow-up question. You think all these ships that left the West Coast, you think they stay on the East Coast? Well, look, I mean... You have to you have to take a, a, a deep dive into just quickly how that worked is the Panama Canal when that expanded in 2016, mm-hmm. okay, that allowed ships three times the size of what used to come through the Panama Canal now to come directly through and into the uh, eastern Gulf Coast. And what happened then is you saw all these distribution centers, distribution sorting and fulfillment centers, popping up on the Gulf and the East Coast because they knew that they could come through the Panama Canal. So you've seen a general migration that was going to happen anyways, because mm-hmm. your shippers, your beneficial cargo owners, your retailers set up their distribution centers on the East Coast, depending upon the Panama Canal, to bring those ships in. And then once the infrastructure got in place, it's all set up. So I think that that what COVID did and, and, and what you saw go on uh, during this time frame is that it sped it up. It sped up that migration. Um, to the Gulf and East Coast. And I don't think it's through yet because once the Gulf Coast gets dredged to the appropriate uh, depths and they get their containerized um, cranes right-sized and the East Coast, Baltimore, we're still dredging, we're still building, and we still have room uh, for larger containerized cranes to come in. Um, you know, we're going after it. So everybody's going after it. And a, a big part of that is the Panama Canal expansion. 
All right. I'm glad I asked you that, too, because I really like the, the take you had there. A lot of people have, have said the, the migration is completely due to COVID. And I like that you talked about the Panama. And look, it takes five years to build these distribution centers out and everything. So it takes some time to build, just like it will with the chips act. So yeah. you're going yeah. to see things change gradually over time and then maybe all at once. Bill, before we let you go, trivia question I got sure. for you. I think you might know this one. Which Arnold Schwarzenegger movie has a ending battle that takes place on a Russian cargo ship in the Port of Baltimore? Um, I don't know the name of the movie, but I know exactly which one you're talking about. And he was also in another movie, too, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that took place on an MSC ship. Um, I forget the name of the movie. I'm it's out of a, time. Tell me. It's been erased from your memory. It's Eraser. <laughs> 1996 is Eraser. Eraser. All right. All right. And not that many one. people no, saw I, that one. That was like when he dropped off, no, remember? No, he was like on the top of the world. Then Eraser came out and it flopped. Yeah. No, I it did. You're exactly right. It flopped completely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have that's a, why you don't know it. You always see it. I mean, you, you know, coming out of the industry, no matter what happens when you, you know, there's so many movies with, you know, ships in the background or containers. You're like, All right, where is that? You know, so it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to see. All right. Well, hey, Billy, thank you. Mark and Jack are uh, waiting. Got a message for them. I think they might be able to hear you. <laughs> oh, Mark and Jack? Yeah. Hey, keep up the good work. College high school. School is now opened, and uh, they've got the best job out there. I love, I love. They're clothing. So how's that? <laughs> All right. Big Perfect. endorsement from the Port of Baltimore for College Hype. Thank you so much, Billy. We'll have you on soon. Uh, good luck at the port. You got it. Thank you very much. Take care. Great All stuff. Right. Do you Great remember stuff. what Von Moore from AIT said last time he was on the show? He said, bigger isn't better. Better is better. Whether it's new offices in India, expanding life sciences operations in Europe, or acquiring one of the best final mile providers in the U.S., AIT's exponential growth is driven by anticipating and responding to customer needs. Discover how they can help your business gain fast, streamlined access to new markets at Tell em, Dude. Hey, go to AITWorldwide.com immediately after this show. I think we have a quick ad to show from this company before we get into business with oh, them. Let's take a look. Welcome to our new and improved Dorchester Retail Store. Located at 540 Galvin Boulevard. There's something for everyone here. I've already seen something. I'm not sure which one to choose. Come on down and help me. Boston, this is our city. I'll be in heaven with 617. As Joe said, there's something for everyone. If you can't get out of the store, please check us out online at DorchesterApparel.com. Thanks for listening. It's Mark Reddish and Jack Darty from College Hype. Guys, I really apologize for having you come in on a day of morning like this. I know the Patriots lost yesterday. I know the Red Sox are in last place, and uh, it's been tough. <laughs> thanks, thanks for all the reminders. Yeah. <laughs> Great way to stop a show. Hey, you think, yeah, Miami, how so horror is it all the time? You think that's an indication of things to come in the season, or you think we'll be okay? Uh, you can take that, I, I'd just like to know who's calling the plays, basically. <laughs> just let me know who's calling those plays. They come out of the second half, and they look like a Super Bowl team. First, first plays, and, and then they just collapse. So I just want to know who's, who's making the calls. Speaking of, speaking of calls, so here's a, here's a Boston question for you guys. Winter is coming up. What is proper etiquette for using a space saver? Uh, a chair. If you're in South Boston, it would be a chair or a lounge <laughs> chair, whatever. Yeah. How long and after a storm? And I think they've written that into law. How long after a storm <laughs> can you keep the chair out? Uh, 
48 hours, but no, normally people go 72 now before there's a little bit of a ruckus over there. Yeah. Oh, really? Do they put a tag on there and say, this no, is the date I put this out? I used to live on H Street over there. Yeah, like, they yeah, have yeah. To, you, you can walk out. It's not abnormal to see a car destroyed for taking someone's spot. Yeah, they pile, oh, yeah, they yeah, pile yeah. the snow up big time over there. They pile it up big time over there, yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to dig out, so people get really pissed when you do it. Yeah. Hey, uh, guys, in- introduce College Hype for those who didn't catch last episode, and tell us how back-to-school sales were. How are things doing right now? Sure, well, um, first off, Billy Doyle, you want to give him a little yeah, shout-out or what? Yeah, great <laughs> And I uh, look forward to seeing him when he's up this weekend, and I, I appreciate him introducing us to uh, you guys, without a doubt. Yeah, so Billy's doing all roads lead to Weymouth shirt uh, when he's up this way at Denley. So we owe him. Thank you, Billy. Great guy, and he does a great job. Uh, but uh, just real quick, we started in 87. We have our own, um, some of our own lines of apparel, which you saw in that great video that you guys put together. Thank you very much for doing that. But today, uh, just to get right to the chase, we're, we're not at our Dorchester facility. We're at our Weymouth facility. And we're going to give you a quick tour of the uh, the production and uh, some behind the scenes. We'll look at some of the, the team here. And we'll try to do it real quick. If you want, we can show you our embroidery machines, yeah. show you our screen print machine. Yeah, and then we got a new uh, new edition. I love yeah, the yeah, room. Yeah, you want to hit some buttons? Sure. Yeah. We're gonna, heck yeah, we do. We're going, to bring, uh, we're going to bring Marie and Kim. And Kim, say hello. Will you give a wave? Hey, hey, Kim. Give a wave, Kim. There she is. All right. Wow. 20 years with the business. Nobody better. Hit that button, Kim. There we go. You have a dually you that hit works that for you, don't you? What's that? You've got a dually that works for you, don't you? Oh, we got a dually. We got a couple of duallys. We got Margaret Dooley. We got Kathleen Hickey, who used to be a dually. We got a bunch of them. <laughs> I know a bunch of duallys and, and, and women. <laughs> yeah, we won't get into that. If you guys watch the needles going up and down, well, Kim's going to hit them here. Here we go. Uh, we're sewing out a, a couple hats here. We run about 20... 20, 20 hats every 15, 14, 15 minutes. Uh, we got 20 heads, so they will, uh, we'll keep this thing rolling. Nick's going to show you the next. Uh, behind the camera on our end, guys, is Nick, who's unbelievable. He does everything from uh, art to marketing to figure out uh, how to work these cameras. Nice. So this so- right now is just a quick sew out here. We'll come back to this at the end of the show, so you'll see what, what actually uh, transpires here. But if you guys want, we'll take you into screen print and uh, show you how we do it in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's keep walking. We were just at an event, and Michael Vince and I got to do our own little screen printing at that event. So we had a little training. I bet they're not doing it by hand here, though. I don't know. Don't you? Uh, Sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Oh, you do? do? How'd you guys do at the event? With the white stuff, you put like the you put the T-shirt down, then you put the white stuff on it, and you got the thing. You move back and forth on top of it, (laughs) and then you put it through the uh, the the, the subway toaster oven. We could use you here. Yeah. No, we got it. We got it down. There's some of our inks. I don't. Uh, I don't advise putting them on a shirt unless you're going to run it through a dryer. But uh, we got inks over here. We got a bunch of shirts, uh, hats, uh, sweatshirts, jackets, everything. Let's uh, let's go meet some of the team. This is an order they're doing. That's three thousand prints. Hey guys, say say hello to Duner and Mike. This is Wayne. Hey, Wayne, give a give a show. Wayne doesn't <laughs> smile. Liam, take thirty seconds. Come on <laughs> and say hello. What's up, guys? Are you flying up, buddy? Yeah. Do you like do you like working here? Yeah, dude, awesome. Nice. All right, good job, buddy. Good job. Yeah. End, of the, end of the end of the end of We're waving at him like they can see us. Buddy. This is my buddy Scarborough. He was going to uh, shave for the show, but he opted not to. He will Ooh. not look at the camera, and you'll see. Look at how efficient he is. I went to first grade with this guy. Watch him. Thank God you got rid of that. 
<laughs> Has he been this way since first go. grade? Has he been this way since elementary? Uh, yeah, we don't really talk much, guys. We don't talk. We just work together, right, Chris? Chris, give, hey, Chris, tell him what school you went to, will you? High school. Yeah, yeah. CM. Oh, yeah. Did you hear that? A CM guy. Another huh? CM guy. Fellow Knight. Another CM Knight. Yep. And he's uh, he's the best at what he does. Kevin, can you give a wave to the guys? Hey, Kevin, smile. Show him some teeth. Show him some teeth. That's Kevin. He's awesome. He does it all, too. Uh, behind you guys is our screen area where we clean screens, wash screens out. Um, there's a lot that goes on. We're not going to turn that machine on. We're going to save the best machine for last. Ooh. But there's a lot. we got about 450 screens. You can see this is a washover. I want to show them all those screens quick. Wow. There you go. And that's a, that machine there, you put them through, it's just like uh, going to a car wash. Mark, you want to take them over and we'll show them the folding machine? You know, I'm not sure people know how hands-on the apparel industry is. So, uh, uh, Judy here? Want to do. say hi to Judy? Hey, Judy. Yeah, this is Judy. Judy, say hello. Hello, Leah. What's so up? So, Judy's going to show you... Uh, Judy, why don't you show a little bit about what you're doing there? Just show the inside of the, the jacket before uh, we actually send it out to market. I cut them all off. There's an excess. And then I check the outside to make sure there's no strings hanging off. Perfect. So they look perfect. Judy's good, guys. Well, Judy's good. Mark, you want to tell them about this machine well, we here? Have, uh, vice President uh, on the shirt for the machine today. And this is, uh, like I said, a new addition to the team. So, uh, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's great. Right. We'll go slow, for, uh, go slow for these guys. That's 500 an hour. This is Joe Foley doing it. He's the senior vice president of the company. Joe, say hello, will you? Hi, how are you guys? So, Joe, this, <laughs> you, did, he, did Joe used to have to do all these by hand? Uh, Joe has uh, a crew that does them by hand, yeah. yeah. We had we we, uh, we still do a lot by hand, but that's, that's our latest addition. It looks like a little Pac-Man machine. And we can speed it up or slow it down or whatever. But for some reason, people love watching it. So, And those are pink shirts that we're doing uh, 1,000 to give away for, um, for breast cancer awareness. So we're, we're handing them out to different schools and things like that. Yeah, you guys actually have uh, two in row. If you haven't grabbed them already, I sent we, them we out a couple them. days ago. We got them. We, we got, got them. Right awesome. here. They're on my, uh, my desk. Right here. He's oh, wearing the oh, beautiful. He's got actually the got the OG college hype shirt on, but here's the new pink breast oh, yeah. cancer awareness ones. It looks great. It says college hype. Awesome on guys. The back. A yeah, double yeah, print yeah. right here, a two color. Beautiful. Great. Thank so you very Joe, much. Joe, All right. How long does it how long does it take to, how long does it take to, to, to be able to line that shirt up perfectly for that folder or for the screen print too? Because there's nothing lined well, up that, there. You just kinda throw it question. down and do it, right? Yeah, the fold the folding machine first. Uh, what what we've learned is that you actually have to have somebody with experience doing it. Yeah. You have to. We had uh, Nick. What do we do? A two, a two to three week training session on it, right? Uh, yeah. Two to two to three hour training session, and they're running about three hundred to four hundred an hour. If they get really good, they'll get up to five hundred. Really interesting. So, how many on people? The, you, how many people you got working in that facility, Jack? We have uh, down here about uh, twenty five to twenty eight. We lost three or four with. Uh, uh, we actually lost six. So when I say lost, they went back to college. So we're at uh, 2022 here now, and we're probably six or seven up at uh, up at our Dodgers facility. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw you had some interns at your uh, at your shop over there. I was looking through your LinkedIn page over there. What do you, what do, what does an intern lose uh, learn there? So if someone who's listening right now out in the Boston area next summer, they want to work with you guys. What would an intern pick up? 
Yeah, great question. Yeah, you- just about anything. Uh, we've had some great uh, client services. We've had some great technicians down here on the floor working the screens. We've had some great artists. So just about anything. What we try to do here is everybody learn a little bit of something, you know, and that really, uh, really helps us that everybody knows how to do just about everything down here and is capable of doing it. So and how they so- come back, um, they come back and they have a lot of knowledge. And when they go off to college, they always say, Oh, I learned, I, I understand that now, or I, I wasn't aware of that before I, before I worked there. So there's, there's a lot of learning and a lot of hands-on um, that goes into it. And uh, usually most of the, the, the girls and guys uh, go off and they're happy. Yeah. And, and they come back. And they come back. Yeah, that's that's, a good that's thing. the key. They even come back after lunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not all the time. Not all the time. Well, hold. We got we got a video from uh, we got a video from the St. Patty's Parade in yeah. Southie. Can you guys play that real quick? I want to find out because I've been to this parade multiple times. Yeah, and yeah, I've yeah, stepped yeah. in the throw up on the ground. That it's got to be a little crazy, crazy right? That's, yeah. our, uh, that's our event company. That's a lot of fun. College height. Oh, pop up shot. Nice. That's what, yeah. oh, do you guys clean? We this was 2019. Do you clean out at these yeah, things? Like, how many shirts or hats do you anticipate to sell at the at this parade? A heck of a lot. A heck of a lot. That's the goal. We we do we do real well wow. with the uh, with the old selfie crowd and with the new selfie crowd. And when I say the new, the your, your 22 to to 28 that have just uh, that have moved moved into South Boston and. Uh, and, and there's something about the, the word Southie or the town that they that resonates with them. And for some reason, we do real well. We do real well with the sweatshirts. Mark was over there. Yeah, yeah full week of yeah. uh, working out there on the streets. It was great. It was a great <laughs> environment. It's a fun time. Everybody it's like a party every day. It's every like day a big party, like yeah. Week. People are all fired up. He, Mark even broke his foot working over yeah, there. And he, yeah. Achilles. Achilles. Achilles, sorry. Oh, wow. We won't get into that either. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll save that. fine, though. He worked through it. He worked through it. Well, you save that for. Uh, you did all right. We'll save that for next time. You said there was a machine you were saving like best for last. Is 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 that one ready yet? Uh, it's, you know what? It's actually not. We uh, we get the guys <laughs> on a on a big job right now. So that that that'll that'll that's a reason to bring us back again. You know, we'll, sure. we'll have that ready to go for you. The other thing, we'd love to have you guys come up to our retail store or, or uh, dial into the retail yeah. store, or even come to some of our events. Yeah. You know, and we could we could go live with you. We would love it. Absolutely. Next oh, next time I'm awesome. up in uh, the Northeast area, I'll reach out to you guys and let you know what uh, some of the plans are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're awesome. awesome. In the Beautiful. meantime, people who want to, the conference season is back in, in session, college is back in session, people who want to get some apparel, some swag out of you guys, yeah. where do I send them to? Well, for, first off, we give a shout out to Tom Finley and uh, uh, Redline oh, yeah. Freight. We, we yeah, we've been doing a lot with the freight companies and, and the logistics freight. companies. But uh, if you're, you know, if you're a trucking company or you're uh, a trailer trailer uh, company or what have you, uh, it's you can reach us at collegehype.com, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-H-Y-P-E.com, or you could uh, you can call uh, 617-282-8883 and ask for Mr. Mark Reddish. Myself, happy to help anybody. Or myself. And uh, and we'll we'll take care. You ask for Joe Foley. Ask for any of us. We'll uh, we'll get it done for you. All right, Love guys. Get it done. Reach out. Get them on a wicked good dedicated route. You know, there start you moving some freight from and right don't on. put too many of them parcel surcharges out there, parcel carriers. Guys, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Go socks. Thank, thank you, you, guys. You're awesome. Thank yeah. you. Take care. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. I tell you what, comfortable as hell, too. They are comfortable as hell. I mean, we get a lot of shirts in here. Yeah. This is one of the top-notch shirts. Yeah. But well, no, it's not comfortable? What? Getting hit, getting your bus hit, your tour bus. Let's take a look at what happened to Hanson. <laughs> That's true. 
everybody. <laughs> How you doing? We're on the side of the road. Cause that truck just sideswiped that bus. Oh, it's uh, it's never ending. It's never ending here on the Red Green Blue Tour. Um, we are now offloading from the bus because the bus can't drive. Wow, it's not right, safely. So all right, so you yeah, enjoy. I don't. I don't mean to be a hater uh, or anything, but I. I, just, I didn't know like Hanson was still touring, and I didn't know they were still an active band. <laughs> Apparently, it happened in Colorado. I looked it up, and uh, you know they have over. They have uh, three hundred million, three hundred and some odd million views. What was it on there? Three hundred no, three million. million? What was it? What, no what way. Was it? Hold, on, I'll look up Hanson on Spotify. What are the, how three million two hundred and sixty-seven thousand uh, downloads? Spotify doesn't want to. It was still pretty significant. Yeah, no, they yeah, had, yeah. Like, it was. There was two versions of Umbop. Each one had like one hundred seventy-eight million views each. Yeah. Or listens each on Spotify. That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> that is actually crazy. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe. You that know what's either. crazy? So Splatoon three came out. My kids are big fans of this game. I'm big fan. Yeah, of I was Splatoon following series. your Twitter this weekend. Yeah. So when new games come out, the stories they put out these things called like amiibos. They give you special characters. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, usually yeah. put out like different stuff. So I took the kids out. They're really excited to go to GameStop and uh, we're looking around. They didn't have any amiibos or anything really for Splatoon out there. But this person at the GameStop in Signal Mountain, they go, "Hey, we're gonna have this Splatoon special edition controller. It'll be in about an hour or two. Just waiting for the truck to show up with it." And I said, "All right, cool." So I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? I need another pro controller. So I go okay. online to GameStop.com and I put it in order. And I get I, it, one of the options on there when I put this only in this controller only. One of the options was same day delivery. Really? So I'm like, oh great, they must have just Maybe got it'll it. Maybe it'll be in. a drone. I, well, I thought it was like Signal Mountain had just got it in. Oh, okay. So I went with it and I, I buy the controller and it's at MSRP. It's the same price. They, they and it's free shipping because it was over fifty dollars. And then I look at the tracking they sent and it was from Uber. Look at this. They sent this guy from over thirty. It's he was thirty two minutes away. I checked it ten minutes after I got the email. I'm not sure how far he came from. At least forty miles away, somewhere in Georgia. Yeah, he's coming up from Georgia. Somewhere in Georgia, free shipping to bring me this control pad right here. And if you're familiar with like these Nintendo control pads, there's no margin in these things. No. <laughs> so he and like, how much you have to pay that driver for Uber to bring this thing uh, 40 miles to Chattanooga? That's insane. Like man. when I used to run docks to customs, it would be like 35 dollars oh, yeah. a pop to courier to sure. dock to get a stamp on it. Now we got places out there, like it costs a, an arm and a leg to get any food delivered, but apparently you can buy like controllers and stuff and people will bring them from the ends of the earth to your house. I'm not complaining either. I just, I'm like confused how this works. How did GameStop make money? Or maybe they, I, maybe they didn't. Maybe then, maybe they're not. Maybe they're <laughs> The thing is you can't even tip the driver either because it's brokered like on oh, you're not the allowed GameStop to? side. So you, well, like usually if you were to buy like Postmates yourself, something yeah. on Postmates, yeah, yeah, yeah. you would do the transaction, you tell them which store to go to yeah, sure. and then you put in, on here sure. you just buy it through there and then you just get the tracking which happens to be via uber wow that's absolutely yeah. insane well hey at least it wasn't on this walmart truck my friend <laughs> <laughs> check this thing out these these have been circulating online man the incident actually happened in may though in a uh, portage indiana this is incredible though some of the local residents had some things to say about this though let me tell you what uh, may Ron, of last year may of 2021 uh, may, oh, yeah. may of 2021 yes right ronnie pennington said i don't know what the driver was thinking you can clearly see how low the bridge was uh, by just by looking at it. Well, these why are did, quotes from locals, right? Yeah, these are locals. Yeah, quotes from locals. <laughs> Kathy Kender said, why did he continue to go through? Must have been a new driver. Everyone knows that's not a truck route by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Don Benneman, how ignorant can someone be? Uh, <laughs> she's married to a professional truck driver. There are signs on the Samuelson that say the no truck's allowed. Bridge warning, not a truck route. All kinds of stuff. Plain stupidity. Daniel Ullman does not have a high opinion of... Uh, 
drivers at all saying half of these drivers out here cannot read and if they can they don't know what the sign means <laughs> oh come on it's truck driver <laughs> appreciation week on, and i know you said this in may of 2021 bad. but that's pretty bad that sentiment still rings like a bell through the hallways of freight alley sir yeah daniel not not cool man don't say that stuff <sighs> well there's things so much about drivers. so many so many bad things to say about real flesh and broad truck drivers Pennsylvanians, though, they're not comfortable sharing the road with self-driving trucks. No, no, they're not. Maybe people want nothing, right? Well, Post-Gazette, <laughs> they just did a poll, though, and these numbers, I don't know if they're surprising or not. You guys tell me. The, the Rabba poll's respondents were almost evenly split between Republicans and Democrats and across age groups between, like, 18 and 72, right? It was, like, 27%, yeah, 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 yeah. 18 to 40, 40 to 60 was 33%, 60 to 70 was also 27% or something to that. Um, effect. But what's important about this one is that 64% of respondents were unaware that Pennsylvania was even considering these self-driving testing and regulations at all. They must not watch locomation segments on What the Truck. Uh, 38% were comfortable with sharing the road with driverless trucks. So it's only 38%, meaning 62% are not comfortable. Right. And only 17% felt okay. That's with driverless cars. Only 17% felt okay about sharing the road with autonomous trucks. And as you can imagine, the older people got that skewed higher. It was only 5%, I think, in the, uh, the that upper tier category, the sort of like senior citizen tier. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But still really low. Only 17%. Uh, Justin, our super trucker, he did mention that, you know, kid, kids, it'll skew differently as kids get older. I'm not Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, sure, sure. The older crowd, my crowd, and stuff like that are not going to feel comfortable at yeah, all. Yeah, my five- and seven-year-old boys, they yeah. probably think they're awesome. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely cool. Because they're robots. Yeah, exactly. They're robots, and they're going down there. It's crazy. So Truck Stop uh, has released their driver appreciation survey, and the results are a little bit telling. Now, like you said, even in this one, there's a bunch of different questions, right, about Ooh. pay and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And only 27% felt that spot market was good, that kind of stuff. But in here, check this out, driver appreciation. In a survey of 500 U.S. truck drivers, 67% agree that they feel that their job is appreciated. Sounds great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this sentiment is actually down from last year when 96% during the height of the supply and transportation challenges uh, said that they felt appreciated during that period there. And we talked about this before. We really hope that the sentiment and the appreciation for drivers would last, right? Not forget. 67 is still pretty good, but I know. Is, not is that, 96. I know, but like, what does your general like average office worker feel for appreciation? Wouldn't it be like around 67? <laughs> yeah, probably below 67. Well, right? I mean, like, I guess, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. but yeah, I get, you're right, though. It is a big drop. It is a Speaking big Speaking of drop, what about dropping your pants? That's what Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee asked a crowd to do, according to ABC7. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was at a Tommy. show in San Francisco at Oracle Park. Uh, that's where the Giants play, and he uh, was sh showing off his genitals, apparently. A concert goer is really, really pissed off about this, isn't he? He said he was, he'd been waiting. This guy, uh, Juan Alvarez, he says he waited over two years, all the canceled shows yeah, on, the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the pandemic, and then he was shocked, and he says traumatized. He had to witness naked bodies on... The uh, Jumbotron, he said miners and everyone was forced to see people nude on the big screen. Everyone was doing it around us, too. It was like Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> people turned into pillars of salt. It was, was crazy. Even, was the, even the usher. The usher? He had to pull, usher was there? He had to pull yeah. his out. No, he had to pull oh. a guy down from a brick wall because he had his private parts out. He didn't want it to chafe it. He said he's screaming like crazy with his privates out. I don't know. He said this guy says he'll never go to a cruise show again. Some of you may, may be more interested in going. 
Hey, yeah, maybe some people are lining up now. I can't yeah. wait to get there. <laughs> that's absolutely insane. Don't don't go to a Red Hot Chili Peppers show if that's going to concern you. Hey, and uh, the Royal Parks, which manages the designated London tribute site in Green Park for uh, the Queen and uh, the uh, mourners that are there asking people to, uh, hey, leave something more sustainable than Pennington Bears and marmalade sandwiches and lit candles and balloons oh, and uh, corgi doing. toys and stuff corgi like that because people are you know littering all over the place. How about recycling your beer can by running a marathon in look at this guy right here i, I don't want to drive i don't want to run 26.2 miles to begin with but according to one news utah ultra marathon runner not utah ultra marathon runner glenn sutton he ran the dooned in marathon inside a giant homemade beer can he said in a facebook post that it was a daunting task wind blew him over he rolled down the street but he made it to the end he was fine find me on twitter at timothy you never find me at vince the dude don't be a stranger tell him how to be hey peace and love spread it everywhere